Hey, what's up? This is MP Radio. Always make progress, and we are your hosts, Shankar Bhattacharjee, Fractal Biomechanics on Instagram, and and I am Sean Astorga. This is the official podcast of AMP's mentorship program for rehab clinicians and fitness professionals, where we help you differentiate yourself by getting your clients more long-lasting results. Uh, on today's episode, we have my friend, Dr. Michelle Boland. Uh, Michelle, thank you for joining us today. And can you do our guest the honor of uh, introducing yourself? Tell us who you are, what you do, and uh, your mission on this uh, planet. <laughs> <laughs> oh, geez, that's a so, lot of that's, that's, a, that's a weird way to say that, but there we are. <laughs> awesome. Well, of course, thank you guys for having me. Um, my name is Michelle Boland. I Let's see. I went to school for strength conditioning, exercise physiology. I was a strength conditioning coach at a division one, division one institute for a few years at Northeastern University. Then I was the director of education at a private training facility. And now I own my own business. So I'm self-employed. I do in-person training, uh, remote coaching. I sell courses and products online, trying to kind of fill the gap between where I think the academic system fails and actual like coaching. Um, and that's uh, just a little bit about myself. Nice. Can we, I'm going to go off script right off the bat. Can we, can we go into that where the academic system fails and like actual, like uh, real life, like coaching, working with clients? Again. Yeah. <laughs> I hate saying real world, you know, but that's what I was, that's where I wanted to say, like the real world. Um, yeah, for sure. So, I mean, some of the things, the, the biggest thing to, to me is, um, is money. I don't think people talk about money enough, um, how to make it. Um, I think the academic institutions are so focused on, you know, teaching a certain book, having a certain accreditations where it's like they don't provide you with like the full picture. And of course, I think internship experiences are key in that. Like you need to have those to really gain like a full spectrum. Um, but different options for careers. I think a lot of programs funnel you into something. And I think especially this day and age, it's like there's you can do you can do everything and anything that you want. That's one aspect of it. The other is kind of maybe kind of exploring or at least being open to um, some new things and not and not the old curriculum that um, is is kind of taught. Usually it says like what textbooks are at least like 20 years behind. <laughs> but yeah, so I think a lot of that is so that's like one part of it, two part of it. the third one is probably how to interact with people, um, aspect of coaching instead of just writing programs and writing reps and sets, um, dealing with people with pain and injury, um, and, and a lot of, a lot of those things, which I'm sure you guys talk about constantly. Yeah, hundred percent. And it's very similar in like the PT world, like PT school, like it's great, but essentially it teaches you safety. It teaches you how to not like hurt a patient, you know, and they're very focused on like pass rate for like the board exam. So you can get your licensure and all of those things. So everything is very, very geared uh, toward that. And things they don't talk about are like 
how to negotiate your salary, the importance of like networking, um, education, like literally how to like choose continuing education, which is something that I want to speak with you with you about. Um, so it makes it very, very tough because expectations are set for students. And it's like they're just kind of have this like uh, like built in scarcity mindset with everything that they're that they're doing. So they take jobs they don't like. And they're like, well, I was told if I see like 60 patients a week, 70 patients a week, and I do this for a long enough time, I'll get paid enough, you know, like those types of things. So it's just like, it's just very unrealistic expectations. And then when you get out into the world, you're like, wow, I hate being a PT. I hate my job. I don't want to be a PT anymore. And it just gets like out of control very, very, very quickly. Um, exactly. Yeah. And I, I understand the whole, like, you got to pass an exam thing, but I just think, especially with higher education, there's so much more that you should be exposed to. And that's not even getting into like the, how much tuition you're paying for that type of thing. Cause like as a strength conditioning coach, you know, I went to a master's program that was completely geared towards passing the CSCS exam. It's like, did I need to go to a master's degree program to be able to do that? Like all I need to do is just get my bachelor's study for a few months and I could have probably passed that exam. But of course, like, it's it's so easy to think back then of like what you would do differently but you're so young and and that's probably some of the problems because the people who are in those circumstances right now they're just they don't have enough life experiences or knowledge to be able to know what they need to seek out or what they're missing yeah 100 percent. oh go ahead on sorry i i have opinions on this because i'm i'm from india and I have also cleared the CSCS and uh, and I think I think it from a very different way because I was in corporate and then I came into this field. I think like Michelle said, money needs to be discussed because we see like corporate people do earn good money and we also have to elevate our field so that we also get to that level. So I think that is also very important. And what I understood is after being in corporate and then doing CSCS, working in a team setting, and thankfully, thankfully now being exposed to PRI and Bill stuff, I'm thankful that I'm, I chose to, I have no, uh, what, how do I say it? I have no problem being tagged as the guy who does this PRI and Bill stuff in India because that is a very lucrative thing, to be honest. Strength and conditioning or even personal training. I think where the payment is low, it's because there is a supply and demand. Uh, it's a supply demand game. People have to be desperate enough for a solution for that payment to be made. Pain is desperation. I, I, would, I would love to play in that domain. I would... Uh, rather not go into other domains like working in a team setting taught me a lot that i don't want to be there i want to be in this domain i want to be known as this guy who does this niche stuff which actually solves a very deep personal problem of people where desperation is there is money yeah but you're you're defining like your your purpose right so for someone else like their purpose might be you know the difference you know so good good for you though because it's a uh, it's tough to do man <laughs> So, <laughs> yeah, it uh, is. And location has to do a lot of that. I mean, you yes. live in certain areas, there's no way you can, yeah. you can charge certain amounts, but also you can get to the level of some people, but that takes time and a lot of expertise where people travel long distances to you. Hmm. 
But yeah, yeah. I'll, I'll go ahead. Sorry. Yeah. I mean, I think what, I mean, I'm coming from the strength conditioning realm, right? So the collegiate setting is kind of what we're kind of funneled into and that, and even the pro setting too, it's not, it's, I don't know why it's seen as some sort of like ideal job. It's not really, you're not able to make a really good living in some situations in those positions. Yeah. It's similar also in PT is like, there are certain like, um, like PT companies that like, they do like NFL combine prep and it like looks very flashy and it's cool. And like all these things, but when you, it comes down to it, like your salary is lower than you would get at like another, like in network place, like all these other factors, like they just don't, you know, it just sounds glorious, I guess, from the outside. But then when you get get into the nitty gritty, you're working weird hours, you're like doing a lot of things that go against like, you know, what your other goals, you know, might kind of be. Um, yeah, it, it takes a certain personality to like, again, you know, I've had these kind of conversations on things and I don't want people to think that we're just like complaining about circumstances. And I think you guys are the type of people who we want to I'd be able, it's important to identify these things so you can create interventions. And that's part of like, kind of like what you guys do. And what I was referring to is like, you have to be able to see where things may fall short or may have a gap between situations where you can really help people. And that's the whole, like feeding the next generation, right? It's like, you're trying to provide an advantage for people who come after you. So the field just keeps getting pushed and pushed and pushed forward. And that's what this, this really is. It's like, can you really have good conversations about where the things fall short? Yeah. Yeah. hundred percent. And like, one thing I know for me that's helpful is, uh, is like really just like, sitting back and defining like what I want, like, what are my goals as a physical therapist, as a business owner, as just like a human being on this planet? Because then if you have like that direction, like you can make decisions that are going to move you in that, in that way versus like, I just want to be a physical therapist and I'm going to like work in this place and do these things. Like, at least you have some kind of like guidance or direction that's going to uh, help you make decisions, right? Like you can then critically appraise like opportunities that you're approached with, for example. And like, does this take me towards this goal or does it move me away from this goal? Um, So having that like definition is something I think super, super valuable, um, at least for myself. Yeah. Especially for young professionals or professionals who are at you've been in it for a while those are insanely important but for students it's almost just like you just need to do everything and see everything so you because you just can't get to that point if you if you haven't really had a lot of experiences yet yeah um kind of on this topic about uh education um i think all three of us on here are like value continuing education and like you know bettering ourselves and all those types of things um do you, do you, um, I don't know what the word would be, I guess, advice that you would have for other like coaches, clinicians on how to approach continuing education when you have like a situation where like with social media, for example, like you just have kind of constant influx of things thrown in your direction. And it's like, what, how do you value like what's important, you know, in terms of your, your own personal uh, development? So I would probably say two things there. One is find someone right who has a system so why i think mike boyle is such an outlet for a lot of students is because his system is so you know easy and very thoughtful uh people can understand progressions i mean i could write out like a mike boyle shrink conditioning program like 
12 weeks if you just gave me a pen and piece of paper in grad school and when I was a strength conditioning coach. And through that system, people can see how things are organized. And I, I think that is like the most important things, how you can actually put all these things together and kind of clip away the unimportant things and really and really focus on progression. So anything that has a pretty set standard system, so like Mike Boyle, I mean, we probably can name name a few, right? Um, any in like physical therapy would probably be a good example of like an algorithmic kind of system of like do this, then that. At least you can have a thought process through that. And then after that, you can kind of add in your own or trans, transform it a little bit. And then I would also say, the scariest thing decision is doing something that you're not familiar with. So like if I say like a conference or a continuing education experience, I'm like, you know, like, I don't know what that is. Those are probably the best things to kind of jump into, to be able to expose or something to, to outside of your, your comfort zone. Yeah, that's uh, Mike Boyle's book. Like, the, what is it? Like, functional. I have it here. Functional training, whatever. Like, it's like I don't I always go back to it. Like, just because it's like so straightforward, it's so easy. It's like you check all the boxes. You kind of know what like the exercise is like supposed to look like, and all those things. Um, and having like a way to, uh, yeah, like systematically kind of progress forward. It's also why like SFMA like is I find super valuable. Like at least as an like, introduction to stuff. Like my thoughts have changed a lot since that that process. But for that reason, like I took those courses like very very early in my PT career. My first one, I think I was still in PT school, and it just basically helped me like look at a human as a whole person, right? And understand that one joint, like it's not just about one joint, right? What happens above it, below it is going to affect that joint, all those things. So it's, it, it opens your eyes to, uh, you know, a thought process, right? And then now you can start seeing like when things work and when things don't work and you can start asking questions to kind of fill those gaps and then use that to, you know, take you into your, wherever you go with, with the continuing education. Yeah, exactly. And like with Boyle, it's like, I think it's, you go from like tall kneeling to half kneeling to standing to split stance, right? It's a very easy progression. But then, you know, later on with, with you guys, things you talk about, it's like you can really understand what a tall kneeling position does. And that that's that's just deepens your understanding. But I think what we've said a, a lot throughout this podcast already is identifying gaps. And that's something that people aren't aren't really good at too much. So Boyle's program is a good example of that because it's kind of all-inclusive. It has speed and power, uh, multi-directional, you know, speed training, weightlifting, conditioning. And it's like, okay, I can follow the system, but maybe something I don't understand too well, which is like, maybe it's the multi-directional speed or something. Then I can find a resource that kind of dives deeper, like a Lee Taft or, or something like that, or, or way down the rabbit hole and Justin Moore or something like that. <laughs> his talk at your like the boston health and performance summit was so good yeah it was unbelievable yeah it was so good was like, like that dude just crams in like mountains of information in there and i'm just like damn this is great like <laughs> that could have been a weekend a yeah weekend. so good <laughs> it was insane um but on that topic too is like uh identifying gaps like i think like 
I know this is something I've been guilty of. I'm sure everyone has. Um, but like when stuff works, right? Like you don't really question it too much. And you just assume like, oh, I do this, this drill with everybody and it's going to get all their motion back or whatever it might be. And then like when stuff doesn't work, we just kind of ignore that, that, that aspect of things. But I think that's where like a lot of opportunity for like growth and learning and development can kind of come from. So it's something that I try to be very, very mindful of these days, um, just as I'm working with other people, you know, because it's, it's comes up a lot. That makes sense. And like a change of environment too. Like we were talking before about like clinical versus like cash base. And I think one of the biggest learning curves for me was going from collegiate setting to private setting. And I I think my avenue for education completely took a 360 when that transition happened because gaps were completely revealed. And because I just wasn't used to dealing with that type of clientele and there's a lot of aspects of coaching that I didn't have to deal with in, in the collegiate setting. Yeah. Yeah. And again, relatable to physical therapy. Like um, when I worked in like a PT clinic that was at a, it was basically a, it was attached to a sports performance. It was a sports performance facility slash PT clinic. Um, you got a certain like type of clientele, I'll say, um, versus when I switched jobs before I started AMP, I worked in a multidisciplinary clinic. So think of like chiropractic, acupuncture, massage therapy, orthopedic doctor, pain management, PT. And it was very, very different, like the type of person who came into that setting and how they kind of approached care. It was a very sterile environment. It was like, you're walking into a hospital, like that kind of stuff. So just the environment alone, like I had to like change my expectations of like what a win was, you know, when I'm working with a, a person because, they're coming in from just a different, different perspective. Um, it's wild, wild experience. (laughs) Absolutely. Yeah, absolutely. There's different, different definitions of success too. Like you're a strength nation coach in college, like wins of the team matter. The numbers that they, their, of their outputs in the weight room matter. And versus like, you know, when I went into the private setting, it's like, okay, can your marketing skills, can you attract clients? The, people actually enjoy talking with you do they can you you have to talk to them in a completely different way so yeah it's just it's it's crazy how much environment can dictate things yeah and on this on this topic of a collegiate setting uh one of uh one of our friends um he is getting i'm not sure if he started it or is getting started with uh ea sports like doing the training for ea sports team an ea sports team at uh a local university and one of the issues he is is facing is that one, they're not they don't have like a coach who like makes them go to like train, go to you have to be in like the you know train gym, you know, for these times a week and all that kind of stuff. So getting buy-in has been um, I think a challenge for him. Do you have any insight on uh, on that aspect of things or like maybe how to like reframe his perspective on like what you know a win in that that realm would look like? Is this a coach? Uh, he is a PT who is uh-huh. going to do like Training, yeah, training for for them, as I understand it. I would probably tell him it's a personality game, like get them to like you as much as possible and get them to have fun because that that's what's going to bring them back in and get and get buy-in, right? Is like if they go in there and enjoy it and not like dreading it or having a terrible time. So I would probably just make it as, as fun as possible, um, being productive at the same time, hopefully. 
I like it. Yeah. He asked that question yesterday um, when I mentioned that you were going to be, be, we'd be speaking with you. And I'm like, yeah, this is a realm. I have zero clue. <laughs> like, I'll play you video can, games, but <laughs> you can throw my number or something. <laughs> uh, you, I, I think you know him. So yeah, maybe, maybe that's, that's useful. Um, uh, on a similar, similar subject is uh, like on the subject of like biases, right? And we all kind of have like our uh, personal beliefs about things and all those types of things. And I think it's very difficult uh, when uh, those beliefs are questioned, like to, uh, I don't know, basically identify, be true to ourselves and identify that, okay, this is my bias is kind of overtaking me here. Um, do you have any insight on like strategies to identify when that might be happening? And then when you identify it, how to uh, move past it? I think you should give yourself some time because the quick remote, uh, excuse me, the quick emotional response is always going to happen. So I would say stick stepping back from it and thinking about it is probably your best bet. No one's perfect. No one's really going to get things in like a, an instant, especially if someone else comes up to them and questions what they're doing or, or something like that. Um, so uh, giving yourself, you know, taking it easy on yourself in, in that, in that way. Um, and then the other aspect of that, probably identifying biases that really comes down to what you're exposed to, because if you're in an environment where everyone's doing the same thing, it's in reality, it's like, how likely is that going to happen? Mm -hmm. Um, so I think the number one rule for me would be like, never be like, that's the kind of the typical saying smartest one in the room have like a mentor that you at any job it like it doesn't matter what the job is have someone that you believe in and that you learn from and if you have that i think you'll be in a situation where you'll always be questioning what you do and improving what you do and that will just happen naturally like questioning what you do if you always have someone who you think is more experienced than you and has more knowledge than you. Cause otherwise, if you're just in a situation with like peers, I question how likely that is to happen. And that's not a fault of your own. It's, it's just purely an environmental, but that's when it goes back to being open to seeking out other resources. But again, it's like, if you don't know what resources to seek out, you're just going to be stuck in that, in that cycle. Um, and, and that's some semi a good thing about social media is you might get thrown things that, that are outside your wheelhouse a little bit. Um, but that mentor is the person who's always going to um, check you with, with that. <laughs> yeah, for sure. Especially I like the emotional response one because uh, that's something that I always rely on. Like if I get triggered by something, I like take a step back and I'm like, all right, why? Why is this? why is this triggering me? Cause if I just think about it then a little bit, I'm like, all right, I'm just being a little soft or I'm like, no, I'm still, I still think I'm right, you know, but whatever. <laughs> I, I at least can reflect on it and like remove some of the emotion after like sitting with it for a little bit of time. Um, it's always the aspect of knowing yourself. Yeah. Um, um, I, who, who do you identify as? And, and that's, you know, I'm a person who lifts weights every day, or I'm a person who does this. I'm a person who believes that a lot, a lot of people can answer questions like that. Um, and if you can't answer questions like that, who you want to be, you kind of referred back to that. It's like, well, how are you going to be able to truly identify things that you may fall short with? 
Yeah. Yeah. And to that too, is also like understanding the source of the information um, is another, is another thing that I always try to think about. Um, to, like, yeah. Time, uh, took me some time uh, to understand. And like I started, I mean, following people on Instagram from 2020, I guess, uh, people from the US and worldwide regarding the human body. So uh, we met. Some, yeah. <laughs> so so, so it, it took me time to realize where not to go for information and where to go for information. So yeah, now it's all sorted, but uh, it took me some time. Yeah. And, and they, oh, go ahead. Sorry. No, sorry. no, like you can, your social media account, like it, it's that everything we're talking about it has to do with that right it's like can you remove things that create emotional like responses like when people hate on other people it's just like okay like what, what's the purpose of that there is none so like hide them or unfollow them I do a, a lot a good job of sourcing through my social media of like what I want to see I hide mm. a lot of people because it's like like you said I, I know where to go for information and everything else is just kind of not useless, but it's it's not worth the kind of emotional aspect of it. Yeah, it doesn't serve anything except the someone's ego, you know, <laughs> that's not yours. So, um, yeah, the other thing I try to do is like uh, this. This is something that the mentor, like me running a mentorship program, has been very very helpful. Is um, I'm exposed to a lot of people who have different ideas. So trying to understand like their their perspective and what they're actually saying, like not that I care if everyone agrees with me because like I don't even agree with myself half the time, um, but like uh, being understand like what are they really getting at with like the question they're asking, you know, has been super helpful uh, for me as well. Um, I think you know. th- like that's perfect, right? Because the whole mentor at the job that's the same thing as actually doing like a mentorship. What like yours is an amazing mentorship. Mine is exactly that. It's not them asking questions. It's having someone as a resource for people who ask them questions. So it's like we go through a process of like building your own model and system. It's like, okay, can you really do that by yourself? Well, if you can't ask yourself questions, you may be missing things that you don't see because you're blinded by what you just referred to as your biases. It's like, I just sit here and ask them questions. It's not like they have to answer that on the spot, but it's at least having someone to prompt questions that can expose you to a different way of thinking or a thought process. Yeah. Yeah. Something my, uh, my, my, he's a, like a business mentor of mine. His name is Justin Rabinowitz. He always says is like, uh, half the time, like people come to me with problems and like, I just basically, uh, like ask them questions. They're, they're really looking for like, not validation, but they want it. Like they already know the answer. I'm just helping them realize that it's the right answer and giving them like the, okay, that this is like what you should be doing kind of thing. And that, that always stuck with me. Cause I'm like, that's kind of what we do in like the mentorship program. Like, yes, we like teach things and like, we have like, you know, uh, like we have like a curriculum and that kind of stuff, but it's ultimately to help someone's like thought process just develop more so that they can already do what they're doing just a little more efficiently or better. However we define that. Yeah, exactly. And I know everyone these days has a mentorship online, but like, I think it's just such a, a good resource to, to have, especially if you're not getting that in your own environment. 
Yeah. Yeah. That's another big thing. That's a big thing in the PT world too, is it's uh everyone jokes about it. Like they make memes about it, like how you're promised mentorship when you graduate. And then you're like in, in practice for three years, you're like still waiting for the mentorship, you know, <laughs> it's like, <laughs> yeah, exactly. You don't, you don't have any time. You have like five patients at once, right? It's insane. Yeah. It's, it, it's, yeah, it's wild. I just learned today that the Cairo world is, is worse. Like their high volume is like 10, 12 patients in an hour. Like PT is like five or six, and I don't even know how you manage. I can't. I couldn't manage that. I can't manage two. Um, so, <laughs> at least I would say the the best thing about collegiate strength conditioning, in my experience, is the potential for constant mentorship and and uh, education because it's not like the weight room is busy twenty four seven. You may have like three lifts for your team's tops in one day, where there's a lot of time where they do staff education and you can kind of just, you know, sit around and chat like this with, with colleagues. So I think that, that's pretty good environment for that. Yeah. Yeah. Awesome. And actually that kind of leads me to where I want to go next is, um, uh, well, it makes me think of Dan Sanzo, uh, who, which it turns out like everyone I know in Boston is like, has been like mentored by Dan Sanzo, you know? So when we were in uh we hung out, I think it was like 20, I don't remember what it was. It was like October, 2021. And we were with him and we were with uh, Chris Paduano at his gym, Studio 617. And you were talking about the idea of the Boston Health and Performance Summit. Uh, And then last summer, we hung out at the Boston Health and Performance Summit, which was cool because like there was an idea and then like now the thing actually happened. So can you speak to uh, your vision and I guess mission for that event? Yeah, thank you. Yeah, so I think I had lunch with Dan Sanzo last week, but it actually kind of the biggest thing I think about constantly is what Ben House said something to me in Costa Rica when I was there for um, one of his functional medicine retreats, but he said, start before you think you're ready. Mm -hmm. So any idea that I have, I tell myself not to wait to just like, just do it. And so I had idea again at lunch with Dan Sanzo a couple of years ago. And he was like, well, why don't you, why don't you do it? We were talking about the gap of, there used to be a very popular um, summit in Boston called the BSMPG, I think it is. And I was talking to him about all my ideas and he was like, well, just do it. And I was like, all right. And then like, I think a week later, I had all my presenters like lined up. Nice. <laughs> but my, my mission for that was, Two things. One, provide a bit more advanced curriculum at summits and a little bit more information about how to use the information. So my kind of role in the summit, I would I would like to think, is providing people ways in which they can say, you know, I'm going to go listen to this presentation and this is what I'm going to do with the information afterwards trying to lay the foundation of like those skills between acquiring information and then actually the steps to consolidate and make it useful to them. Um, And so I really tried to gather a lot of people in the area that I think touched on different things and maybe had different opinions. Um, This year, I think I'm touching on a, a few more subjects than I was probably missing the first year in all aspects of sport performance and health. Um, And I really wanna provide something that's a little bit higher level to people and a little bit more personable. So 
I want people to be almost forced to chat in some ways, forced to interact. We had people playing spike ball um, and we got like Chipotle at the end of the night. So like people were interacting. We had partners um, to, to chat and talk about ideas that they had at end of presentations. And so you're, you're getting to know people as well, which, you know, I just came from a conference last week and I, I probably could have gotten away with going to my hotel room, going to speakers <laughs> and really not talking to anyone else. Like I could have easily done it and I had to purposely go out of my way to, to communicate with people. So that's, those are a few aspects of, of the goals I have. And we even, we have a set date location for next year. It's going to be June 10th and 11th. Um, it's going to be in Woburn, Massachusetts. Um, and we're going to roll with it for, for a year too. Nice. That's awesome. I will definitely be there. Um, it was, uh, we, had, we had a lot of fun. Um, and my wife went with us and uh, she she's a massage therapist, but she doesn't give a shit about like the fitness world, like any of that stuff. And she like, she really enjoyed it. Like she had a good time. Like, uh, cause it's like, I talked to her about some of the stuff that, you know, the presenter spoke about and it's just like right over. She's like, I don't uh, eyes gloss over. doesn't care. But she was like, it was cool seeing how like different people talk about like a lot of similar topics and then getting different perspectives and that stuff. Um, and her and I always joke is like, we're, we're in the process of opening, uh, like a, a business together. And we are going to a lot of these networking events, and it goes against everything in my like nature, like to just like put myself out there, like go up to people and talk to them. Like I'm the type of person I'm like, I'm good with like three friends and like, <laughs> like just reading a book or something, hanging out with my dogs. Um, but it's been like such a, uh, an eye-opening experience because like you can see how like that person that we met six months ago, right? How that relationship has kind of like developed into something. And now it's like led to like the next step for like our, our, like our business, for example, in this case, um, it's such like a, an important skill. And even though I'm like super introverted and like, don't like talking to people, like it is something that I think that, that yeah. everyone could benefit from a hundred percent. And it's like, yeah. it's a huge personal development thing. If I went to this conference, I don't know, six years ago, I honestly probably would have presented, gone to my hotel, and that was pretty much it. I was pretty much the same way. And now it's like I force myself to be in situations. And even this week, I think I have three scheduled calls with people who I met um, at that conference. And, you know, you learn those things, but also an environment that creates those situations of, you know, I went to an, an alumni event or a social and someone connected me with someone else. And it's like, you know, normally I probably wouldn't go to those types of things. Right. So hopefully the the Boston Health and Performance Summit kind of puts you in situations where you can easily chat with people because the super other chill. Aspect, it was super chill. Yeah, yeah, super chill. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Because like that's the other problem. Right. You go to these things and it's like really stiff and people only talk to you about like what do you do for a job or just kind of like stereotypical, like superficial things. But if, if you're playing spike ball with someone, or if you're like, I brought my dog, right. And if you're like playing with my dog, it, it gets a little bit more under the surface and more friendly and more like human. And that makes way better connections than just kind of yeah. if conversations about like, Hey, what can you do for me? What can I do for you? Kind of a thing. Yeah. Encore is master networker. 
I feel like every, every, every I feel like everyone who has an Instagram account knows Encore. <laughs> he's just for everyone listening. He's just so devastated with his haircut right now that all he's doing is playing with his hair and borderline tears coming out of his eyes. I feel oh. bad. I feel bad for you though. I mean, net, net, network, <laughs> networking is uh, crucial. I mean, today. <laughs> I work for AMP because of a DM that I had sent Sean long ago and the relationship that we have developed after that. And yeah, today we are here. Yeah, 100%. And Michelle, you also said something else that I think is very useful. Um, start before you think you are you are ready. Because uh, yeah, I yeah. think that like that is such a such a difficult thing. And like uh, I mean, I'm guilty of it too. It's like, I always tell the story of AMP, like when I started AMP. I planned like uh, my friend, my friend asked me to open amp in his gym, like six months before I actually did it. I spent six months literally planning this thing to like in quotes perfection. Um, And then like when I opened, it was like literally uh, like end of February or like beginning of March, 2020. Like I literally opened the same month that like pandemic started, world shut down, everything just went to shit. And like, I had nothing, right. I had to like figure stuff out at that point versus had I just like, started when he asked me to and figured it out at that point, that, that, that point. Right. And then I would have had at least some patience built up like a list, like all this stuff. And I could have figured it out from like a different perspective. Um, and since that moment, I've just been like, anytime, like I'm going to do something, I'm just like, all right, I just got to do it and like, know what the end goal is and just like figure out the steps I could take now that are going to, going to get me there. Yeah. And like, you'll get it done. Like, even if you create, like, say I put out this thing where it's like, I'm going to do a webinar on this topic. And I have no idea what I'm going to do, but guess what? Like I just created like a deadline where I'm going to figure it out and I'll have everything set before that. But it's just like, you you just have to do it. My good friend, Seth Oberst, who this is a good example. He'll never hear this, but uh, (laughs) I keep, it drives me nuts because I keep telling him like for his goals or whatever, you just gotta do this and that like especially a posting on social media and like you just gotta do it you're overthinking it way too much and he's trying to create like these excel sheets and like topic ideas and it's just like no 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 you just have to do it it. you can't make yourself ready you can't make it ideal you just literally just have to do it yeah a hundred percent i i tell people this all the time too is like when i wrote when i when i had people registering for the first mentorship program that we run I had zero content for it. <laughs> yeah. I was literally a week before we were going to meet. I was like doing the content like that week leading up to it. Then, Like it was hell. I'm not going to lie. Like it was a lot that first time we went through it. But now we have like the thing is done. It's completed. And we have, a you know, the, the product. And then even with our we're doing like a workshop this this Saturday uh, about like pelvic floor. We have I don't know. Yesterday when I checked, it was like 140 people are registered for it. We have zero slides unless encore you have slides now but we have (laughs) we have but what i'm saying is like we have the framework we have an idea of what we want to do and we've done it multiple times so we're like very comfortable with like we could just kind of put it together i'll run through it'll run through it a couple times and we're we're good this is important uh repetition of a task gives you efficiency so you exactly know how much time it takes give me one day and i will make that uh, slides in one day yeah Yeah, we've done it we have done it multiple times we have done it first time it, it was our, oh, get this slide done, write this, oh, Google that, <laughs> what information to put in. Now, framework is there. We just need to, oh, this, 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 done. 
Yeah. Yeah. That's it. You just got to take the step. The hardest part, right. Is take the, the step, step and then you're going to figure out like yeah. problems are going to come up. That's something that uh, Justin Rabinowitz says too. Like business is like solving one problem to create another problem. And that's <laughs> it's very similar, right? Like yeah. you just figure it out. You know, you just got to get gotta, comfortable with it or not get yeah. comfortable with it and never just do it. yourself in the fire. It's the same thing as like any physical challenge too. like sign up for a race. And it's like, Hey, guess what? Like two months from now, you're going to be in a serious situation. <laughs> you you got to get ready, right? Like you signed up. That's, that's how I got into running half marathons. Monica, Monica Moore, like she was just like, do you want to run a half marathon? I'm like, yeah, sure. I've never done it. I'm a basketball player, but whatever. We just signed up and I'm like, all right, well, I got to do it or otherwise I'm going to probably get hurt. So exactly. Now you are. Love it, probably, right? I love it. Yeah, I love it. <laughs> there you go. Amazing. Michelle, I believe that's all I had. All right. On the geez. agenda. <laughs> that was like... <laughs> Thank you for, I know we kind of went all over the place, but I really, uh, we really appreciate your, your insight on these topics. You're someone who has been influential on uh, what we do uh, at AMP as like uh, just how we view like our role as like physical therapists and how we approach patient care, even though you're not like a, you know, clinician, but how we approach like the, the thought process behind a lot of stuff we do. And I know that a lot of people uh, who go through our mentorship program have the same sentiment. Uh, also, uh... For the personal trainers, or I think mostly personal trainers and strength and conditioning coaches, uh, you had a post saying fitness professionals have one thing which like clinical people do not, that is time. Mm -hmm. So if you could like elaborate on that and how crucial, because this is uh, this is a, a vicious cycle. Uh, I would like to elaborate on because you will see this when coaches uh, coaches uh, personal trainers uh, strength and conditioning coach i uh, strength and conditioning coaches i think they need to learn about biomechanics in depth because what happens in this industry is that they they train you like power strength whatever and if something happens oh it's not my lane go to the physio i think there is a huge gap there and then the physio will say like, oh stop this that everything stuff everything i think <laughs> learning biomechanics learning pressure management learning right versus left differences is so crucial like you would be the perfect person to talk about it so I it's not just key... my lane and not my lane <laughs> and just giving up i think the key word people of like people you're describing is like the sustainability of, of fitness and movement um yeah, in terms of that that thing I put up, it, it's it's true. Like technically, like a lot of my clients I've had for you know a year more over that. Like, and I technically like when I get new clients, I think about like the lifetime, like having that client, like they potentially could be with me for a very long time. Whereas, you know, maybe a physical therapist feels a little bit more um, pressure because they're only going to see them a, a few times and they kind of have to make like big changes really quickly. Um, and so I, I try to play the the long game a little bit more. And I think that plays to, to our advantage in some ways. Um, but yeah, like I try to take the whole picture in, in terms of making sure they have fun in the experience, do something that they succeed in, like little wins over time. If it looks better from week one as it does from month three, I think that's a huge win for, you know, a fitness professional, strength conditioning coach. And I think a lot of people get caught up a little bit too much with 
you know, it doesn't look perfect after, after one set. Um, so I just th think that's like a big difference. Like, of course, I'm not like, I don't have, you know, any skin in the game in the physical therapy, the realm, but that's kind of uh, a thing I, I see between the two. Yeah, it's, it's very true. This comes up a lot in the, in the mentorship program, because like, even the context of like a person coming to work with me, like they're coming in with, I have hip pain and I can't do this exercise, right? Like they're already like, they're focused on that. That's what the emphasis is. And it's like, once we get you out of pain, yes, we do things to like build up some fitness and that kind of stuff. But there is probably a terminal end date, like an end date to the, the situation um, versus right. Like a fitness professional where you're like, you're with these people two, three, four, five times a week sometimes, you know, and like your, the relationship you can build and the influence uh, you can have on helping someone with like behavior change and like other aspects of life is just, it's so much different, you know? Exactly. Or, or just even the mindset of the opposite of that. It's like, look how much stuff you are capable of doing. Yeah. Yeah. Hmm. And thus education is very important for personal greatness. Yes. Yes, exactly. I think, I think the introduction of biomechanics was just an absolute game changer in, in, you know, obviously my success with clients, but also my enjoyment of the profession. I think that curiosity, intriguement, and that, that willingness to kind of do things that I haven't, haven't been exposed to, like Posture Restoration Institute, I think those things are, are what made me actually want to continue into this field because hmm. there was a point where I, I probably wasn't going to continue. Yeah. 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 Like yeah. Uh, just for an example, uh, just because a person looks hunched, you don't give them extension-based exercises. <laughs> like, no, you don't do that. <laughs> so this is what personal trainers need to understand, like how this how this human body works. Well, it, so, it's all going back to like that bias topic, right? It's like yeah. we were bred in the strength conditioning program on how to do things and everything mm -hmm. is chest up, butt back. I mean, that was years ago when I was in the program, but like that is how things are done. It's not explained in terms of a biomechanical realm. Like it, it, it's just how you perform an exercise. Um, so I think getting people to question that is, is, is much harder. It's like, it's trying to get someone to change their habits. Like there's, mm. there's some things that you might not be able to penetrate. So that additional exposure, there were just even some sort of exposure to a, things that's curiosity, like even just hearing someone give a detailed description of hip movement in a squat I think for a lot of strength and conditioning coaches, it would just absolutely change their career paths. Yeah. Yeah. hundred percent. And just like, I think about like when I played sports in high school, I was like, yes, I was like, quote unquote, strong, like weight room numbers from, well, for myself. So relatively, but, um, but I also like my, my back was stiff as hell all the time. Like, and like looking back, I'm like, there's so many things like if I had just, well, I mean, I wasn't even in, in that realm at that point, but like, if I had like known things like a little bit more, right. About what was actually happening. Like, why am I doing a, a squat? Like, why am I doing this exercise? Why would I program this for someone? Um, like it, it just really has carryover into a lot of different things, like how a person feels, how they move, all that kind of, kind of stuff. Um, yeah, but, this, this may be off topic, but I think a, a, another skill, people just a little bit more observational. I mean, just like, look at how things are kind of in, in some way in terms of 
people who lift heavy weights, how long do they actually do that for? Uh, Probably not very long. Like a lot uh, of people I went to grad school with, right? Like they lifted heavy, like they Olympic lift. And I talked to them a few recently and like, they don't do anything. And it's like, okay, because that's their only view of what exercise is. Right. Yeah. So it's like, okay, maybe there's, there's something, something going on here. And even just trying different things. Like, you know, I used to lift really heavy. Um, <sighs> I had like probably 10 more pounds of muscle on me. Right. And then when I started to get into running, I would notice changes in how I feel if I were to lift weights, even if they were heavy. And I think that being able to switch back and forth, same thing for nutrition, right? It's like people have this idea of like, all they track is macros. Well, it's like a lot of people can't go into, okay, I just ate I'm not hating on gluten here. Okay. But I'm just going <laughs> to So be I, careful, I just, be careful. People right, get sensitive right? about food. <laughs> if I just ate gluten, how do I feel the next day? Right. If I have alcohol, how do I feel the next day? It's like people are also unwilling to be like, yeah, I won't do that again. Or that's just how it is kind of a thing. It's the same thing with like weightlifting and movement. Right. And, and it's like, ever since I stopped lifting heavy or moving weight mm. really at all, I, my movement is just so much better and I feel better. So it's just, I think people just kind of like, this is how things are and they're not, not really, they don't really know otherwise the same thing as like a a bias. Yeah. Yeah. That's a, no, that's very, very, very true. It's one of my, uh, my favorite topics is like, think of like the internet is like, everything is either like black, white, like it's all extremes. And it's just like, well, like, especially when you're talking about like a human and like, like science, right. And like nutrition or uh, fitness or whatever it is, it's like, everything is such like an N equals one. It's like to have such a hard stance about like gluten, right. Or like whatever, like seed oils. I'm like, bro, like, have you ever tried not having gluten and just seeing how you feel? Cause like, I know if I eat like a piece of bread, when we go out that I get a little foggy in my head. And the only reason I know that is cause I've cut it out from 90% of my, my time. Right. So it's just like, I don't know, those little experiments, like I'm very open to like trying stuff out and just seeing. Um, And I think it's, it's just, I don't know. I just like how you say all that stuff. I mean, it's just, I think it's more so a personal uh, growth thing and a personal journey of identifying yourself and being able to say like, this is who I want to be or how I want to be. Because like what you just referred to, especially with like social media, it's like, where are you placing your emotional energy? You know, if, if, if you're just screaming from, or screaming in a closed room, it's just, it's like, do you, do you really want to be that, that person? I think, I think people just don't really understand who they are, who they want to be often enough. And I think that's what leads to a lot of the, a lot of the things we're discussing. Awesome. Um, I, this is one of my favorite topics, so I wish we could uh, keep going on it. But that was my alarm that I have to go see uh, treat patients now. Um, <laughs> can't be late for that. Um, Fair enough. But, uh, Michelle, what is the best way that people can get more information about uh, Boston Health and Performance Summit? Uh, your, um, uh, I forget what you call it, exercise library, which is super useful. Uh, and your other resources, reach out to you, any of that kind of stuff. Yeah, you can visit the the link in my profile on Instagram is dr.michellebolin. 
um, the, all that stuff is listed with the links. I'll probably announce uh, the Boston Health and Performance Summit for like sign up like early February. But I mean, I'll I'll announce the speakers right here to blow it up. Oh, let's go. It's going to be <laughs> Justin Moore, Seth Oberst. Myself and Nick Lamby um, are going to do a presentation together. And then we got uh, Aaron Murray, who's a nutrition expert and just a fantastic presenter. And then the big uh, Pat Davison is also going to be there as well. So it's going to be awesome. And it's June 10th and 11th in um, Woburn, I'll say Boston, Massachusetts. Yes, I don't know. I don't know what, I don't know what a Woburn is, but I'll, I'll be there. Uh, we're actually talking with Pat tomorrow. Uh, so oh, similar to this. So um, awesome. All right. Thank you, right, Michelle. Thanks for having me, guys. Good luck with your haircut there. See ya. <laughs> Encore. I'll talk to you later, man. Yeah. <laughs> See ya.